1: Hey, this is Jeff Tomei, and welcome to Whatever, Nevermind. Uh, enjoy the interview about Smashing Pumpkins Siamese Dream. <laughs>
0: Right on. Uh, I'm of course I have happy to have back on the program Jeff Tome. Uh, uh, I had you on as a producer of the Jerry Cantrell record. Today we're talking about Siamese Dream of by the Smashing Pumpkins, of which you were the uh, engineer on.
1: That's correct. Yep. Many, many, many years ago. Now at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, well, w- w- welcome back. Uh, let's start off with uh, how did you get the the gig? Like, how were you brought in to be the engineer on that project?
1: You know, I was I was really fortunate. I had been working out of a studio in Atlanta called uh, Triclops, and um, and Butch was basically kind of calling around trying to find some places that weren't in New York or L.A. And uh, for many different reasons, and uh, it, it he, he needed somebody to to you know run the studio and run the board and stuff. I mean, Butch is a competent engineer obviously but uh it just i mean it worked out in my favor that that I was the guy for that so i i again i can't tell you how how fortunate i was that that worked out for me
0: right on uh so that was your first time working with Butch then i guess
1: yep yep he uh the, the funny uh, funny little side note story is the guy that that uh, that managed the studio and owned it uh he got the call when Butch was uh, checking out studios and and uh, his name is Rick, and he was uh, kind of standoffish, and he said, well, who have you worked with? And Butch mm. said, well, I did Nirvana's, never mind. And Rick says, oh, that Butch Vig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one.
0: Oh, I was confused with another one. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice recovery, if you think about it.
1: Oh, I know. Well, that one, okay. Yeah, the 20 others that have called Butch Vigs, they weren't you.
0: Um, well, you know, this is largely, you know, especially. I mean, this is your career, so this is a, all, all these projects are, you know, are your job. Do you, um, do you like the Smashing Pumpkins? Is this an, a record you're a fan of?
1: I'm a fan of the record, but to be honest with you, I didn't have a clue about their music uh, going into the record. Okay, nothing. I didn't know anything about it, and um, you know, it was a tough record to make, and took a while. And I, I got to say, it was a good solid year before I even listened to the record.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> I just,
1: you know, you just get burned out, but I, I listen to it now and it's just like, yeah, hey, that's a pretty good record. I'm pretty happy with
0: it. <laughs> any specific like memories or stories uh, before we get into the, cause I have a bunch of questions regarding that, but anything from your own personal kind of like a uh, viewpoint that like, that stuck out when you think about this re- album, working with any of the members or, or butch or just the process in, in general, anything at all, really something me find. Well, out?
1: I mean with, with butch, it was just uh, an absolute, uh, uh uh, just a, a fun record to make because butch has got that kind of uh personality about him he just kind of keeps things light when he can and uh just super talented so that was that was awesome and you know same thing can be said with billy billy's amazingly talented guy so so the, the you know good memories of just great playing in, in parts and everything on that record for sure um you know uh we'll maybe get into it at some point but we had a had a uh a blizzard for the south which is for us which was really you know two three feet of snow it was a lot of snow down here sure and th- they shut it down and i remember calling butch that morning and saying we're not going to be able to work and he said well it's just snow because he's from green bay area <laughs> <You> and, uh, <laughs> and and i said no it's not just snow here i says i promise you you won't be able to get to the studio and if you get there you won't be going anywhere for a couple of days wow so that was a uh, you know that was what was that in ninety three the first part of ninety three I guess it was around March or whenever that big the famous blizzard of ninety three went down
0: the famous two foot blizzard so I it's because you guys don't have snow plows and stuff of that nature right or or the the road salting equipment
1: yeah that, that's that's the real facts about it it's like we're not we're not geared for that because it rarely happens and there's no sense having salt trucks and all that kind of stuff sitting around if we're right. not if they're not going to be used most of the time I mean, it happens once every 15 years or so it seems like but when it does it we shut down there's just nowhere to go. There, people can't. There's no. The roads are an impasse because again, we're not really prepared for it. But uh, I, I know it's a funny thing for you Northerners. But yeah,
0: yeah. It, it takes a lot for us to to get the day off from work. Uh, uh, yeah, not so much from school nowadays. Anyway, they 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 preemptively call off school like they never did when I was a kid. But uh, you know, they're just looking at the the safety of it. I guess so.
1: It's the safety and the liability, and I don't I don't blame them. Sure. There's a lot of lot of lives to be uh, under your wing, I guess you could say.
0: Right on. Well, I I did know the, the pumpkins a little bit. Uh, I was fortunate to get into GISH. Uh, it was recommended to me. By someone that I worked at the college radio station where I went, um, we uh, they thought I might like that record, and they they told me you know to start playing it on the show, and I ended up just stealing it and taking it home to listen to it. So I was uh, a little bit anticipating the the follow up to it. Um, it uh, it is clearly a step up in production and songwriting. Uh, I we we just recorded the episode where where we actually go through the album and break it down, and. Um, one of the things that when i went i haven't really listened to this record in a long time but listening back i think like uh mentally my brain was set that gish was my favorite uh, record this record is is just amazing i it's just been so long and so much separation i just think i had some kind of built in you know bias against it or something like that but not not i don't know if i'm making any sense there but yeah um have you gone back to hear any of the, like did you hear gish later on or have you checked out yeah, any of the stuff I,
1: that's a that's a brilliant record. I I, I think that record's amazing. And, and if you if you if you think about it, as Butch had explained, I mean, it was you know they were on what the indie on Caroline, I think, was the record label, um, which was part of uh, of uh, Virgin or was part, but that was like the one their uh, imprints or whatever, however you want to word it. But uh, but now I think it's a great record. But but that also was kind of like the bar where it's like, okay, well, we know we've got to go and beat that. That was Butch's, you know, discussion all along. Well, we've got a record that we're proud of that did really well uh, for what it was. And he said, so we got to, you know, the bar is here now.
0: Yeah, it did. It seemed like reading on some interviews with Billy and Butch, it, it some of the pressure on what they needed to do almost seems almost unrealistic because as much as I like Gish, that most people really hadn't heard it. So, But the label clearly had some, I don't know, expectations because they kept paying for it.
1: Well, then the, the well the the thing with with Gish is the label the, you know the label for what it was in the in the dollars that went to that one it was a very successful record sure? I think they sold uh you know I don't know how many units I think they sold I came across about records. forty
0: thousand which is yeah, which a, a is, lot for an independent record
1: yeah and and so it was and basically that record was what gave them how, how do you want to word it gave them the ability to to take a step up to the major mm-hmm. uh, of of
0: Caroline which was Virgin. Uh, is it Virgin they were on? Now I'm I'm oh, losing my mind on that. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> you, you would think I'd have that memorized by this point, but I don't think that's right for some reason. I don't have the. CGI yeah, it's in front Virgin. Of me. It's Virgin. It is. Yeah, okay. It All right. It.
1: Yep. Um, I, the only reason I know because I'm in my office and I'm not saying this for to to name drop, but I'm, I had to go look at the record on the wall and it says Virgin Records. Oh, so, nice. <laughs> um, but that that gave them the. Ability so you have to a platinum that. award, huh? Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. They, they, I've got a. You they, got a few
0: they, of them, I suppose.
1: I've got, yeah, I've got one for matchbox I got several for the matchbox, which is awesome. And then I got the, the, there's the one and the 3 million and I don't know where Siamese dream is now. They don't really keep up with those kind of things anymore as far yeah. as you getting those records, but uh, you know, I'll take it. I'm not complaining. Trust me.
0: Well, a quick side note on that. Uh, I, I've always been curious, like, do you, does it just show up in a crate at your house one day or do you know yeah. it's coming? Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does. And, uh, you know, uh, these all, yeah, these kind of showed up. I remember my wife said, "There's some big box that came." <laughs> um, uh, I got one for that movie, Qu- uh, Queen of the Dam, the soundtrack for that that I mixed some songs on, and and she says, "I think it's a, I think it's a gold record," because <laughs> she knows what the box looks like. So that was pretty awesome. But they they show up. UPS just drops it off.
0: Uh, I don't know if you if you want to or care, but if you could send, I don't know if if someone could take a picture of you in front of that, I'd I'd uh, include that in some of the uh, the show art.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. right on. You can just send it to me via text. But that—that's uh, pretty sure. cool. I wasn't even thinking about that. Of course, you got one. Um, well, uh, let's get into some of the drama that that surrounded this record. Uh, did you know about the whole Darcy and James Eha kind of uh, mess leading into this? Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I, I was told fairly early on in the project that they had been together. They were you know a couple or whatever and we're no longer a couple so <laughs> the the the, uh, the un- underlying tension was already there with that man as if there wasn't enough tension but uh, yeah that I found out maybe a week or so and it, it, you start finding out these things and butch was pretty forthcoming and as as was Billy about you know things like that so um you know they they pretty much just went their own paths kind of there other than the basic tracking because that's how we would do it we'd track everybody. And then really just go for the, uh, it was all on two inch tape. Really just go for the, uh, drum edit and get the drum master tape down and then build it from there.
0: Okay. Oh, the, explain the significance of it being on two inch tape versus a different tape. Is, is there something I don't know?
1: No, uh, it's just, it's multi track, 24 track, uh, to, I just say that because that's what I came up on is doing is working off a, okay. you know tape base and, and editing tape and doing actual razor blade edits which in that era that's all we had I mean Pro Tools was not was kind of in its infancy I didn't have a clue about <laughs> that so so it was that the, the um, a pallet a, a pallet of, of uh, reels of two inch tape which there were I think there were forty five reels of them showed up when we started that record that's a lot of tape yeah wow a lot um. of tape so. So that's that, and that's how we did it. We, we tracked with them live all in, in, in one room and, uh, with the guitars and bass isolated, that kind of thing. But, uh, and really just go for a, a master take on
0: Jimmy's drums. Well, let's talk a little bit about Jimmy as a drummer then. Uh, cause I mean, he's got a really good reputation as a drummer, but this would have been like only his second time, you know, uh, recording a, a full album or, or something like that in a studio. And, and the first time with a big budget, what was he like to work with? Was he, uh, a quick. Uh, you know, record or what? Did it take a lot of takes or no? He,
1: he was he was he was very quick and 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 at, he was he was a pro at that point. Man, he was he was comfortable in the studio. I didn't get any indication that there was any kind of nerves or that. Mm. Uh, you know, there were some songs that were a little more of a struggle because it's a you know what the the issue would, not issue, but we we would get those songs. We'd find a tempo that felt good and we'd start the count off with a click track if and and then we'd stop it and they'd play so everything was played live it's not really played to uh to any kind of click track which is pretty common today um but butch being a drummer himself wanted the tracks really solid and tight so it took a it was a lot of editing not because jimmy was not a competent drummer it's because that's Butch, one of the really super tight record you know timing
0: wise when you say editing so he's he's taking parts of multiple uh, uh takes
1: well yeah that, i mean that that was that was a given with that we we'd build a he'd uh he'd kind of script it out on paper you know uh, use the intro from take three <laughs> cut the first verse from take five and, and again you're juggling two inch tape back and forth so he'd give me that that uh legend as it were and then i'd put it together and then once we knew we had a master take of it then it'd be like okay now we need to tighten up the drums and he'd say okay that snare's a little bit late right there make it early <laughs> so you cut a chunk of tape out you know that kind of thing yeah, it, it got pretty scientific because he he would find a he'd find the bars a bar or two that felt good and said that's whatever that tempo is that's what the whole song needs to be and so we pretty much cut tape like you do now with Pro Tools and moving things around where it would you know be a solid you know drum take it's got some life in it it's not perfect because it wasn't played to a click track but it's pretty it's pretty tight.
0: Right on. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, the drums are. Are. Uh, well, first of all, there's not a lot uh, I can pick apart at the production of this record. I, I do have one small critique. We'll get to here. Um, but uh, the drums definitely aren't it. They they are immaculate. And he, the the thing about um, Jimmy that kind of stuck out was that. His style of drumming was not really in vogue for grunge, you know. I mean, no, uh, even having that kind of that size of a kit and the fact that it worked well with the Pumpkins, I don't know. I think it says a lot. I mean, uh, I, I think uh, I, I have a lot of respect for him as a drummer.
1: He, he, I do too. He's a he is a he's a fan of big band music and swing and that kind of, and that kind of stuff. And it shows in his playing cause you can, every swing also means how you, you know, the groove with the mm-hmm. drums. So, so he was, he was a student of that. So he knew how to really make it feel good. It, but I, that on, that aside, he was, he, he and Reed Mullen of corrosion conformity were two of the hardest hitting drummers I've ever worked with. Okay. Just pounders, just beating them up, but, but accurate. So, um, and again, it's it's nice because it was recorded to tapes. Tape, there's a lot of uh, nice tape compression and 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 things that go on that don't go on nowadays with digital recordings yeah. that make things more pleasing to the ear.
0: Uh, you no, know, a little back to a little bit of the drama because Jimmy had some of his own. Um, were you aware that some of the the drug issues that he was dealing with, like that, the, what I read from from both Butch and Billy, is that they went to Atlanta. Largely to stay out of a big city like New York, and also to get away from Chicago, because they were worried about you know Jimmy's friends and drug dealers being around. To, to no, we, that
1: that's ahead. true. That that's true. And in an interview that had, had Butch had given years ago, it was like, well, within you know twenty four hours, he knew all the all the hookups <laughs> in Atlanta. So so it didn't really matter. But I, I will share this with you that that's, it seems like because of of those issues, we were we would. Basically, we track two songs at a time. We'd work on one, couple of songs to about eighty percent done, and then move on. That way, it wasn't like okay, the drums are done after two weeks. Now you can go just do what you want. We didn't do it that way.
0: I was literally going to ask, uh, not not for that reason, but like you know, you know, did he just disappear once the drums were done, or were the drums recorded across the the recording? So that he, that was actually done to help keep him uh, keep him uh, clean, huh? Oh, but go ahead. You said he would what? disappear.
1: Yeah, he had his disappearing days. I think the longest stretch. I think he was he, he didn't show up for about five days. And of course, we had things we could work on, obviously, but it uh, it didn't <laughs> sit too well with Billy. So
0: and it was like uh, which pre-
1: obviously, you know, we're trying to make a record. There's a, there's money being spent, a lot of money.
0: Yeah. And this is pre-cell phone, so there's like, you know, yeah, y- you can't even like the guy won't even answer his phone. You, you, so I suppose you, you don't even know where he's at, huh?
1: Uh. Uh-uh. No, he just yeah. So, so that was that was one way, and you know, in, in tracking the record, also we had we we did a lot of uh, extra music, uh, which some of it wound up on the that uh, B side record Pisces is Scary. Mm-hmm. We did, I think we tracked, and my memory could be off, but it it was I think it was twenty five, twenty six songs, uh, and some of them would just start off with Billy playing something on a Mellotron and Jimmy playing drums,
0: wow. and
1: just turn it into a song. Some of it was just jamming, and some of it never. Saw the light of day, but a good bit of it did. I think there's 14 songs on Siamese Dream, and then I think there's four or five on Pisces that that, uh, that were from that session too. So, um, pretty uh, pretty good uh, pretty good uh, numbers for, yeah. for
0: doing that many songs. So, um, well, and Billy, uh, um, well, you know what? Before I get into that, how were you like working with Billy? Did did you spend a lot of time interacting with the members of the band, or was it largely through Butch?
1: No, we we interacted. I mean, it's just, it's like every record you get, you get in tight with these guys and you get in really tight with them. You can't help it because you're, you're there with them for 14, 16 hours a day. And the last uh, month we didn't take a day off. So yeah, no, I, I got to, I got to know him really well. I mean, you get, you can't help, but get in tight with these people. He was, he was a, uh, you know, he was a taskmaster. He knew what he wanted. He didn't, Didn't waste time. We didn't have chit-chat time. When we were working, we were working. So he had a very good uh, idea of what he wanted the record to be like. He was ready.
0: So as far as working, he was not that big of an issue or anything like that.
1: He could be a challenge. But oh, <laughs> <laughs> he could be a challenge, but so can so can a lot of artists you work with. I mean,
0: we all have uh, our it, moments, Jeff. Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> yeah. And again, we're working on tape. We're, we're. You know, it's not Pro Tools. Oh, well, I missed that punch. I'll just fix it in Pro Tools. Mm. It's just like, oh, well, you got to be on every time. <laughs> you can't screw this up. Yeah. And and the common knowledge is is that he played most everything on the record, other than drums. So it was me and Billy and Butch most of the time, most of the record. Other than the basic tracking, when, like I said, everybody tracks together.
0: Well, Billy's talked a lot about his mental state leading up the, to the writing and recording of the record. Uh, did did he seem I don't know, for lack of a better term, suicidal? He's he's mentioned it. No, um, he
1: didn't seem that way. But he, he was he was there was a lot of anxiety. You could tell there was okay. a lot of, there was a lot on him. somebody at the, the age he was then or myself too. But, um, at the age he was, that, that's a lot of, lot of stress and pressure to put on somebody. So you could tell there was a lot of pressure on him, but, was... but I didn't get this. I didn't get anything. I, and I know he's mentioned it and I know he has had those moments, but not, not that I know of making that record.
0: Right. Now I'm asking for your perspective, you know, and, uh, sure. um, the, what, with Darcy, uh, you know kind of him filling in and taking over on let's let's start with her uh did did did, were you there to like see her try to do anything and it just wasn't working or
1: yeah the 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 way it typically worked out in in my memory after the tracking then we we'd get the drums put those together make a master take and then we go to move on the bass and billy would be in the control room darcy would come in and he'd have her play through the song one time or so just to kinda of get the vibe that whatever and then he'd say, All right, give me the bass and that was it. Wow. Then he then he put the bass tracks on. Uh that was that was standard, you know, operating for that that record.
0: <laughs> Did she play in anything?
1: <laughs> I I you know and I I don't know why it sticks in my memory. I think there was one song, I think Luna I think that's one that she's actually she actually played bass on um and I don't remember why so I could be wrong but it I don't know why it sticks in my mind that there was one song on that record she played on and she actually sang a couple little small harmony parts but for the most part you know just like just like with James James probably put 5% of the guitars on
0: okay. you know
1: it's it's almost all him but you know in, in fairness to Billy Billy knew what he wanted he, he was ready to make the record and I don't know that that, that was the same with the, with those two so
0: yeah, I look I I've never approached that level of recording but I I have recorded 5 albums. Um I know what it's like to work with people. I being I've never not been there when something was happening, you know, but it is kind of being the the singer and the and the songwriter, you, it it kind of it's it's almost required where other people would be I just want to do my stuff and then leave. And yeah. um and so I, I get it, especially if you're trying to really create the specific thing. How much time are you going to fuck around with with someone that clearly doesn't seem to have the same level? Oh, well, let's just say ability or commitment. Who knows what it, it is? You know what I mean? Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I've never really harped on him too much for that. It wasn't like he brought in Steve Vai to replace G, you know James Hia It's still the, the the a member of the Pumpkins playing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, th- th- there were, um, there were a couple of times when there would be a part and, and the conversation was, well, that part doesn't work. I told you months ago, that part didn't work and they'd be like, oh, well, that's the part I have. Okay, well I'll do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so uh, were they ready? I, I just don't, I don't know how prepared they were. He was super prepared, but again, he's the song, songwriter singer and all that. So, yeah. so he should be, but you know, I, I, again, I, I look back on it as, you know, you did what, for any record, you do what you have to do to get the record done. Because yeah. the label doesn't care about any of that stuff. They just want a record done.
0: Sure. Hey, I, I, you, I thought of something when you were talking about the drum master track. So, let's, you, you get them all in the room together, you record the, the whatever, the, the the three or four, like, how many, well, that's, a, that's maybe I'll start there. So, like, let's say if we'll start with one song, chair of rock or whatever, it doesn't have, doesn't have to be that one, but, Typically, how many drum takes would you would you record but that you would end up splicing from?
1: Well, uh, uh, on a on a reel of, of two inch tape, you depending on the length of the song, you can get three or four takes on there. So you know there may have been may have been three reels full. There may have been nine takes. I don't know specifically, but mm-hmm. yeah, like like. Uh, but there were definitely multiple takes that were that were cut between um to make a master of it so it just depends on the song how many takes but uh, you know um and they weren't specific they weren't necessarily because okay well that's it be because it didn't feel right or the arrangement's not sure. exactly where it needs to be that kind of stuff but, but i think that was pretty that was pretty standard as far as you know just throw up another reel let's do another couple takes
0: okay uh but yeah i'm asking really more for kind of the geeky nerd end of like uh this stuff not not to be critical of, of jimmy that's for sure sure um so then Butch listens back, and how long does it take for him to listen to all the takes and make his notes?
1: Well, and see, that's people say, how, did, how does it take long, so long to make a record? Okay, well, you, you do it, you, you get the takes down. So say you did three reels of takes, you got nine, you have nine takes of that. All right, then, then you have to go through each one, take notes, pick out what part. So that's you know, you're talking about mm-hmm. a day, right? You're talking yeah. about a solid to day. To me, it sounds very arduous. That. Yeah. It is. It almost then, be easier then, to just say,
0: Jimmy, play it forty <laughs> more times, and we're just going to get one good one.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but here but here's the thing is again, Butch is a solid drummer, and 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 what he it's so subjective what he's hearing uh, and what he wants to get out of something might not be. It may have felt fine the whole take, but mm-hmm. it's just not. It's not record worthy in in, in Butch's mind, I guess. And
0: <laughs> oh, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that I'm right. I'm just like,
1: oh yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I love I, the I,
0: the breaking this thing down. So
1: it's it's you know and and then you know so then you okay so so he gets his his legend charted out and depending on what time of day it is i'll start cutting on that but you know that's a you know to put the master together that's another couple of hours depending on how many takes we have to go through to make a master once we get it together then you take then you spend another couple hours trimming it down saying okay that snare's a little little late let's make that Feel better in the pocket. Let's make it a little early. So, so you're looking at probably two days there. If you so, put all so that the, the
0: initial trim down, like when he gives you your notes, you can do that in a couple hours.
1: Yeah, I could. I got where I could put together master tape pretty quick. I'd been cut by that point. Fortunately for me, I'd been cutting tape for a good, you know, ten years in in studios because that's all that's what we had and that's what we knew. So I'd gotten pretty good at in quick <laughs> on that, and then it was the fine tuning stuff that that, that took a little more time, you right. know. Uh, until get just to get it to feel right from top to bottom. So
0: in, in both times we've talked, I don't know if you remember, but I've, I've all of a sudden stopped and taken like a sideways thing into this tape trimming thing. It just, it, <laughs> uh, man, I'll tell you what, if I'm ever in Atlanta, I'm going to look you up and you can give me a demonstration. I just, <laughs>
1: well, I don't ever want to cut tape again. Pro Tools <laughs> is so much, so easy. And if I, if I think about it now, I think, how did we do that? That's, yeah. it's, it's pretty, it was pretty, in, you know, involved, but If it's all you you know, that's how you make a record. That's what it was for us. It was like, okay, that's how you make records.
0: Um, Well, a little bit about uh, a question about Butch. Uh, You kind of have quite a bit of drama going on between. It doesn't sound like Billy's personal issues were affecting the recording too much, so we'll we'll skip that. But you got Jimmy with with all that stuff. And then, of course, (laughs) Darcy and James not really getting a chance to play. And then, of course, kind of not really, you know, they're not not really wanting to talk to each other either. This seems kind of chaotic considering all the, all this stuff. Well, what was Butch's demeanor like during all that?
1: Well, and as was saving grace to it, Butch, Butch took the whole other tact. It's just like, I'm just going to be laid back and chill and i don't think he's trying to be that way that's just how that's the butch i know yeah he just he was completely the opposite billy could get intense and then more intense and and angry about some things he would get the the calmer butch got and the more like okay well we'll make this happen you know it was he was just super chill with most things so so it wasn't like for me it was it was a good middle ground because if it were on both sides of all that you know, anxiety and all that pressure, it would have been a, even harder to record to make than it already was.
0: It was a good balance, basically.
1: It was a great balance. He knew how to, he knew how to, how to, you know, bring, bring Billy down a notch when he needed to just by being, you know, Butch, being just chill and, and okay, let's make this happen. Let's do this. Let's try this. That kind of thing. Instead what? of getting there and play it and it better be good.
0: <laughs> what, uh, what kind of thing would set Billy off? Like, what, like, what would he get angry about?
1: Uh, it just depends. We, I, I remember uh, one specific thing where, again, this is on tape, so everything you do, you're punching in, punching out, and he's playing a bass track. and And there was one spot that was a tough spot to get, and we probably punched in thirty times in that spot. and And then, you know, the thirtieth time, I, I was late on the punch and missed it. <laughs> he said,
0: "Are you going to make me play this all day?"
1: <laughs> like, like it was me that so you, was slowing up the process
0: you you, you fucked it up at, at that point though <laughs>
1: yes yeah i did and then he said that i had a pencil in my left hand and i was about to snap it in two.
0: Like, mm. <laughs> wow.
1: but you know that's that's part of it too you, 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 that's what it's it's like a quick it's like a, a four or five month marriage with making records you're in there that tight with people for that amount of time and then then the breakup at the end the record's done okay we're breaking up
0: so, so spending all this time, did you? Did, did, was there ever like a day or or a, a dinner, or maybe like I don't know, going bowling or something that, that you would no. spend with them outside?
1: No, uh-uh. uh, uh one exception. I think we had a a, a cookout one day. the The Vince was like uh, I, I forget Vince's last name, but he was like Billy's right hand guy. He he did the guitar teching. He did the running. He did everything. Okay. Was Billy's Billy's guy, and uh, we were working one weekend, and and they decided there was a back patio out in the back of the studio, or really it's just a loading dock, and decided they were going to have a barbecue with with uh, brats and stuff like that. So, but I mean, we were working around that. It wasn't like we stopped for three hours, you know. Yeah. So while Vince was cooking, once it was ready, then we had our lunch and that was it. But for the most part, you know, everybody was kind of, all right, we'll take a 15-minute break. Let's grab a sandwich real quick. There was was not a lot of free time.
0: Okay. Uh, (laughs) um, Let's get into the record a little bit. Now, you mentioned it yourself. I've I've read leading up to this, too, that the days would be like 12 to 14-hour days. Is that 12 to 14 hours for you as well?
1: Well there's there's more than that cuz I'd get there before. I I always say being an engineer is like being in the marine corps. You're the first in and last out. Sure. That's what's the comp quote I've always heard. So so you're there, you know, hour before and if you're having to make rough or whatever things at the end. So but you know, so the days could be, you know, solid 16 or 18 sometimes. It just, you know, it's a it's a definitely a career field and it was better for a, a younger guy that I was then and having that energy because there's this long hours, long days. I, I used to say, you know, if, if you think about somebody that works an eight hour job, if they went in at the end of their eight hour job, they were told they had to work another eight hours. People would say, what, you're crazy. But it wasn't <laughs> anything for us to work those kind of hours. It's just, that's what engineers did. That's what making a record was about. You put in a lot of hours. Most studios book by the day and, and they don't yeah. necessarily limit the hours. And, and so it's just like, let's get as much done as we can.
0: You know, you don't ever thought the, about that. that I think for for the artist, it probably isn't that big a deal. They're into it. They're always connected to it, you know, with, with a certain amount of uh, emotion and, and passion, but not necessarily the people doing all the work that uh, that would that would be uh, that. That's a very fair. I think it's a valid comparison. It's like somebody working a regular job working eight and saying, I need you to do another eight and then do it well, the rest of the week, too.
1: An, another analogy, and it still goes on to this day, say, say I have a band in the studio today, and there's five guys. Mm-hmm. So we get a drum track, and then I put it together of whatever edits in Pro Tools. Then the bass player standing behind me ready to go. When he's done, then the guitar player is ready for his rhythm, and the lead player is ready. And so I was like, there, is no, there aren't any breaks for the unless you just – I do it at my age now. I said, no, no, we're taking a 15-minute break or whatever. But then it's like everybody's waiting in line to keep going, and, and so the guy in the chair is still in the chair the whole time. The uh-huh. bass player's done. He's sitting in the lounge, you know, lounge watching television or something. So, yeah. you know that kind of vibe. But again, I'm not complaining. It's chosen, it was my chosen profession, and it's just like it's. There's a lot of work. People don't realize what kind of work goes into making a record.
0: So, what are James and Darcy doing during this time?
1: Uh, in the lounge watching television <laughs> most of the time. No, seriously, that was that was it. No, I
0: believe yeah,
1: because <laughs> I mean, what would they do? I mean, like I said, the 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 few times that James. Uh, put a part on or, or played a part he did play one of the intro guitars to mayonnaise which was a a challenge in itself because it hmm. was a cheap pawn shop guitar he, he insisted on playing and the intonation was terrible so we pretty much spent a whole day pretty much spent 12 hours to get that one intro part
0: <laughs> well and you're just talking at the very beginning there, not that yes. squeaky thing that goes yeah. through there
1: just that clean
0: yep yeah wow. um well, you brought up mayonnaise, possibly my favorite track on the record. Uh, let me you that the, you I, you have to know that high pitched squeal I'm talking about between all the little, you know,
1: another another pawn shop guitar. It was called a Kimberly, I think it was that Billy was playing, and the pickups were just microphonic. So we had him play in front of his cabinet, and he could control that feedback. But that's it; it's just feeding back through the pickups in those stops.
0: I um, I listened to it uh, in preparation for this, and I, I I specifically listened to that part. It is amazing how because I assume that there there's some layers to it. The, the rumor is that there's hundreds of guitar tracks in this thing. Um, either way, but the fact that it's very consistent, perfectly timed, but also slightly different every time is amazing to me.
1: Well, it's it's definitely and, and the rumors of hundred tracks have been greatly exaggerated. There are a lot <laughs> of tracks, but 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 and, and that was probably doubled, maybe a triple of that. But that's him play. I mean, again, this is this is not Pro Tools. And once you get the drums edited, you don't can't edit the guitars. They either just mm-hmm. fit, fit or they don't. So that's Billy and Billy's talent playing and making that that work um, and, and, and locking in and getting the double track to that, the, you know, and a lot of, it was always through some sort of pedals and, and the big muff was his, his, you know, main pedal and it are so noisy, yeah. they're loud, they're gainy, they're noisy. So, so, uh, whether than like, I keep going to pro tools cause that's how I work in now yeah. where you can just say, I'll just clean this up from here before he starts playing. Well, this was like, you had to keep the mutes on, on the microphones till downbeat there. So everything stayed clean. Cause you know, again, that's how you did it then. So the the noise and the the volume level of, of the big muff rhythm guitars was just crazy.
0: So that part was that guitar was used just to make that noise.
1: No, that guitar. He's playing the whole rhythm. Okay, on there, okay. It, yeah. all right, all Right. No, no. That that's it. That's him playing. But that's him hitting those stops like that and working that that microphonic pickup to to that feedback. You know, he just he basically played the feedback in the holes, which is great. He's playing the whole thing on those. And I, I don't know. I don't know if it was in vogue for, for, for in alternative bands or whatever you want to call them back then, but, but it seemed like a lot of them would come through playing just the crappiest
0: <laughs> Yeah, it definitely was in vogue, yeah. Through,
1: through good amps, but they played... And I'm thinking that the one that James played was called a Kingston. Never heard of it in my life. He said, I paid $85 for it. Yeah, I can tell.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that kind of thing. And then Billy plays the Kimberly, but that's a signature, that signature in that song. Everybody talks about that mayonnaise, that song.
0: Uh, it's so, it's such a killer tune. Um, yeah, any chance mayonnaise was a working title that he just never came up with anything better?
1: Th- that I don't know. It was always mayonnaise. Um, I don't know. The, the The one interesting footnote is is we were jamming on on just like a one of the little B side jams or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know we're we're using track sheets back then and labeling stuff. So All right, Billy, what's this song called? And he said. He said, "Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness."
0: Oh, really? Which
1: became the album yeah. title. And yeah. had no relation to that, but that was the title, and that, when that record came out, that one I was like, "Oh, that was that B-side song." Oh,
0: so <laughs> do you, you remember? Title. Do you remember what uh, B-side? What, what did that ever get? I released? think it was
1: one of the throwaway, throwaway ones that never, never saw the light of day. Okay, all right. I think I mean again, I, I could be, but I, I don't think it ever made. I think he just threw that title out. But yeah, back to mayonnaise. That was it. Was always called mayonnaise. Hmm. It was always Cherub Rocket. It was always Today. It was always Rocket. I don't know any of them became. Whereas on that Corrosion record I was telling you I did, they were all working titles. When the record came out, I said, I don't know any of these songs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, wait, even to be, when it was done, huh? Like they still had. Well, like, when it was t- done, I said, yeah, I remember. No, that no, no. Record. I mean the recording I, of it. Uh...
1: Yes. Yeah
0: crazy oh man well I, I got a question about disarm that's very specific you know that the big that um it's like an underlying cello kind of dun, 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 that uh, goes through the verses. Do you remember? That's what th- it is. Oh, damn it, <laughs> I, Jeff! I, I had I, I had myself convinced that it was actually like you know a layered acoustic picking. That just because you built so many up, that there was like this cello kind of sound to it. But it was an actual cello, huh? I know there's well, other yeah, strings on it, but
1: well, the acoustic the acoustic is doing the picking. But but the, what you're hearing that's a that's a cello and and the the interesting thing about that song is that it was only it was a violin player and a cello player. Okay. The cello player was a friend of Billy's from Chicago. The violin player at that time was was the violin player in the band Kansas, and uh, uh, David Ragsdale was his name. And so he, they came in, and and there weren't any charts. Usually with string players, you got to write charts. Billy with was guitar. The good thing about David Ragsdale because he was a rock guy, he could take what Billy was doing and chart it out. So he charted it out for the cello player and for him, hmm. and. We'd used a whole – I don't know if you're familiar, but you have an A reel, a master reel, then you have a B reel that you lock together. And you, so that gives you 48 tracks You typically. Um, well, we went to a C reel because we needed to have room for the strings, so we put a, took a mix to one of the 24 tracks, just a stereo mm. mix. We probably did 20 overdubs on the strings. It's a lot of layers because it's two guys, and we wanted to make it sound like an orchestra. No. <laughs> so Lot of layers.
0: That was uh, a song on first spin that I knew was going to be gigantic. I mean, it's just it it it's just too good.
1: Well, we knew from we knew from early on that, and Butch said it from day almost day one that Cherub Rock was going to be the first single,
0: mm-hmm.
1: without a doubt. No matter what, and usually that's not really said. Usually, you just kind of see how the songs shape up. Oh, really? Okay. What seems like the best. Uh, on a lot of times, sometimes people go on with preconceived notions, but that was always going to be it. So even added pressure to making that, that song really stand out it was like, this is going to be the first single. Okay. Hmm. It better be great then.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it's good enough that I'm sick of it. And I think it's a brilliant tune. So
1: <laughs> did, that, Yeah, that, that one did kind of, it got a lot of play. Um, I, my rocket's my favorite song on the record, which really? I don't think no. it ever became quote a single, but, um, because there was Today, which we knew that was going... That was what they wanted for the first single. The record label really said, that's too pop. Yeah. Nope. That's not us. Not to start with. And then it became a single in Disarm. I forget. There were probably three, at least three singles I know of off that record. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, those are definitely, definitely those three. I'm not sure beyond that. Um um I Today never really connected with me. At the same time, I think it's brilliant. Uh It's like... I can separate my personal taste from it and still accept that I get why people love this tune. This is just so perfectly written, and it's it's not easy to say something as simple as "today is the greatest" and also make it that kind of relatable and 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 with that hook, you know what I mean?
1: I agree. Yeah, and that one was that was interesting in in the texture in that we've cut we cut between two different kind of drum sounds. We had a, for the verses, it's a real dry. We dried the drums up and had them on real small smaller kind of space and then so we did takes where the choruses are The rooms opened up and it's big you know rock and roll bottom kind of room and it's not that ex- extreme on the record but i do remember that being cut together like that
0: and so they um, were tracked differently um yep. and then that's just one of you you go doing making the, the master track magic that you do
1: yep let's take the live the more live drums they're going to be the chorus they're going to cut those in there so um and that uh that amp that clean amp is some this piece together thing that one of the techs at the studio owned and uh, hmm. and that became that that signature kind of clean sound there on, on the the main one on the intro and the verses of that
0: and the guitars have just such a beefy low end low end but they're it's not quite that uh, stoner rock thing that we're, we're more familiar with now but it, it's kind of leaning that way I assume that has a lot to do with the the big muff that you were talking about.
1: It absolutely does, and, and uh, because there's, yeah, there's that that just lends itself to that, and then it's taped too, so that it's got that bump in the low mids, and then when we, I, I do recall we put putting the bass on. Billy says, "I don't care if you can hear the note definition. I just need more weight, more weight, more weight." That's what he <laughs> kept saying. So it was all about having that. So the bass also carries a, a whole lot of that too. But the guitars, yeah, they're they're pretty beefy sounding. the 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 most tracks, guitar tracks i recall was the song called hummer Uh and and it's not because there's that many just are playing at the same time but there were a lot of layers and 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 overlaps and stuff like that so um tape can be a challenge because you don't have these endless tracks like you do now it's like okay we got to plan this out
0: I, i love hummer by the way that's a killer tune
1: that's a great song i told i told butch when they left i said this is gonna take you a week to mix this one he says nah and then he sends me a a fax back in the fax days, and he said, "He said we've been working on Hummer for five days because <laughs> <laughs> it's just dense. There's a lot of
0: lot of tracks on that. What's he doing sending faxes? You got to get in there and mix this. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, here's my one critique, and maybe you can give me lend, lend some insight because it se- it seems like it's probably what they wanted, but to me the vocals sound there's a little tin to it. It, it I and I'm not. I know Billy's voice isn't something that people like I enjoy his voice. I just think this record compared to the other ones, it just there's a little kind of like, I don't know, the best way I can describe it and so don't get mad at me. I'm just I'm just <laughs> trying to describe what I hear is it sounds like a cheap microphone <laughs> was used.
1: Well, I'll I'll give you Billy's one of his comments early on was his Is there anybody in the music business that has less bass in their voice than me? <laughs> that was his critique
0: oh, on really? himself.
1: Okay. And and we and also the you know the vocals are are doubled through everything even in most songs even in the verses, um, but we used a dynamic mic which you know typically mm-hmm. people use a tube mic or a condenser. We used the SM7 on his vocals because that seemed to fit him better than uh, we had a tube forty seven that sounded great. But um, and and those are only good if you just eat the mic and, and you get the proximity effect. So again, it's 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 a lot of characteristics of. of his voice and then probably a little bit to do in the mic choice or whatever but uh again that is and it's all doubled so mm-hmm. so you ask you know people again how do you how do you take so long making a record well say you do a vocal okay you're doing say you do 10 takes of a vocal and then you have to comp it put it together like the composite and then you have to go back and if you're going to build a double then you've got to build a double so that's like two days in the making right there
0: wow.
1: so it- time goes by fast
0: yeah, and I'm being hypercritical with that. I, I overall, this is a I mean, this is a a, a, a record that I absolutely adore. But, uh, um, well, let's get a little bit to some of the the, the tracks here. Are there any songs that uh, that looking back that 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 really were fun to record or anything particular that you you like an anecdote to share about recording it?
1: Well, I, I you know most of them were I think all of them were fun to record in, in a challenge. But there's there's a song on the record called Sweet Sweet. Uh, I can't remember. It's one of the later tracks. Yeah, it's like and second to last. It was. It came off a four-track cassette uh, deck. Okay. Billy. That's his demo. So we took the. He had two acoustic guitars. We redid the vocals, but he had two the two acoustic guitars. I'll clarify that came off of that, and because he wanted to use that, he said that feels good. I want that. So we bounced the out of a cassette player onto two tracks on a on a twenty-four track uh, tape machine. And, and built it off of that. Again, it's a real simple song. There's not anything to it other than the guitars and the vocals. I think there's a I don't remember if there's Mellotron. I might be thinking of Soma but or Luna. But either way it was uh, it was interesting that, you know, you're doing this big budget record, but then you're gonna take one song and it's just gonna be demo acoustic guitars off a cassette deck. <laughs>
0: No, this is a slightly better uh, uh, four track than like those task cams that were a couple hundred bucks from the time. No, right? that's
1: pretty much what it was. Come it was, on. No, that's it, it wasn't.
0: Yeah, that's pretty. Much I what never it was. got it, anything it, close to sonically clean as that. <laughs> it was. It was one of those porta studio, whatever they call them. I yeah, forget the porta what man. Wait,
1: I think it was something similar to that.
0: Yeah, fuck uh, which,
1: that. Which to take a, a little little uh, left turn is is. Uh, Jerry Cantrell had bought one, one of those little cheap cassette things because he wanted to work on songs when we were making the record with him. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, we've got this studio. we can, you know, <laughs> Why are we doing this on a four-track cassette? Or why are you? I wasn't part of it. He'd take it home with him and work on stuff, which made sense. But anyway, that's where those guitars came from. Wow. But the argument could be made, you know, the Stone Street Fight Man, that's exactly what they did with that one. That was yeah. Keith recording into a cassette deck, and they'd bounce those to tape and, and overdub. That's where those acoustics are coming from.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, when I first started learning Pro Tools, which I still I I, I probably have three percent of what it can actually do is what I can actually make it do. That's probably For- a lot more than the Beatles had.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> well, people, it, it, it you know. Pro Tools is just what the medium we work in now. And, and yeah. I said, you know, people say, what, what if the Beatles, what if this had been around during the Beatles? I said, they would have used it. I said, they were cutting edge well, on what they did for technology. They would have jumped all over it. You're kidding me?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're looking for anything, man. Um, you know, uh, the, the song Soma that you mentioned just a minute ago, um, The the music at the very beginning of that, I'm, I'm and I'm speaking sonically is just recorded immaculately and 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 I know this whole record is really well produced but there's just something so smooth and and clean and pleasant when you listen to that it's I don't know I don't know if there was any trick there but I that's one that sticks out for me
1: it's just it's just the vibe it, it is such a chill chill vibe on the song anyway yeah. and it's just you know it's just Again, it's capturing that emotion, which is why it's important. I I still think to this day it's important if you can, if the band can track everything live, even if you don't keep anything but the drums, then they still have a certain feel. It's better to keep everything you can, but anyway, it's it's all about the feel. That song just sets a, a great emotion, I think, too.
0: Any stories about like some unconventional recording method? I mean, uh, as we're speaking, um, the, the we, we, we just learned that the, the passing of Eddie Van Halen last night, he was known for just destroying guitars and putting them back together it's, and doing a lot of kind of weird stuff. He used a drill, you know, at the, be- to, at the beginning of a, a song yeah. in the 80s. Anything kind of out of the box, something where you just kind of, you basically in, in the process of recording the the album, it was invented for.
1: Yeah, they, um, um, and it wasn't on. It was on Pisces Iscariot, but it was cut during that session. It was a song called Piss Ant. Okay. And the drum sound on that is our drums through a microphonic pickup in a guitar. If you, that you can listen to them, and they just kind of have you, it, it, you check the song out when you have time. Yeah. It's That we used basically, I used a guitar as a as a microphone the wow. pick and it's that same guitar it's that Kimberly that Billy played on mayonnaise. It was just so microphonic, so we set it up in the room like a room mic for the drums That's amazing. and it just sounded so nasty and just <laughs> <was> so awesome <laughs> <laughs> so so lo fi so um and uh there's that the sitar uh sitar is uh was a choral sitar, which is the electric version of one, but Billy had a real one he bought it in. Uh, but we never even took it out of the case. We looked at it. Oh, that's interesting. Boy, it's big. Do you know how to play it? No. Okay. Hmm. So it was there for uh, vibe, I guess.
2: So
0: was during the recording process. Is there any type of this? I'm, and this this album in particular sticks out to me because it seems so involved. Although the last record I talked to you on took forever to record too. But uh, is there any downtime for you? Just being as, as the engineer, do you get kind of a little bit of a break while they're they're muddling through something? Or no, there uh,
1: there there wasn't uh, there wasn't any work these things up. They did they did know their arrangements enough. Mm-hmm. Everybody but there, there was never uh there wasn't that i i take that back the only downtime we had was they came in to do some sort of uh interview mtv was going to interview them and i don't know if i'd shared this story before but uh when we were talking prior but anyway um there were uh they were going to dress up in these costumes the band was that looked like the three little pigs and <laughs> these big kind of paper mache heads giant heads well if if you there's a there's a DVD out called Vuforia Yeah, that's it's on that. That's me and Butch wearing the pig heads and, and standing by the console because the band refused to wear them the day it happened because they'd gotten in an argument the night before. Jesus. So Butch just hands me one here. <laughs> so they're playing. We're playing back the song today and 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 dancing around in the control room with pig heads on. But uh, but then they had some guy do this kind of tongue-in-cheek interview with them, and and uh, so we come out there in that video with. Pig heads on bringing them water, that kind of just cheesy stuff. But, but that's the closest thing to a break that we would get. Okay,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So I, I guess I got to check. See, that came up during the the album discussion, and uh, I got sent the link to the the video for that. So I'll be watching that soon. So hey, I'll, I'll know. The, hey, that's Jeff uh, right there. Uh, <laughs> well, the
1: first thing most people ask me is, "What is that shirt you're wearing?" I says, "I don't know. I don't care."
0: Right on. <laughs> well. i'm not looking for a lot of salaciousness more kind of like in hindsight it's kind of funny kind of stuff was there any kind of like you know blow up between anybody the members of the band i'm talking about that uh that like i said i I, i'm not really looking for dirt just more kind of stuff that everybody kind of laugh off after 20 years
1: well that you know that night but prior to the the pig day the pig head day um (laughs) the three little pigs was was he and darcy and and just having a row and and uh uh that's when we kind of knew that that wasn't gonna um that what them ha- being in a great
0: mood the next day to that's do when you're like i'm gonna stuff. have to <laughs> wear that fucking pig head aren't i
1: well <laughs> I, I remember they're, they're, butch and i were in the control room when when they, he and darcy were having it out uh outside of it and butch says uh let's go in mark's office mark was one of the uh owners of the studio and he said and butch called him a frosty that was a beer he said mm-hmm. let's go into mark's office and grab a frosty this is going to be a while so we sat in there drinking beer and just thinking, all right, well when this is over, I guess we'll go home or we'll finish what we're doing or whatever.
0: Oh man, it's it's those goddamn Scannies always wanting their beers. Uh You know, <laughs> I'm in frosty. Minnesota if you remember, but yeah, so yeah, there, we uh we have a love-hate relationship. But no, that's Uh well, I I got caught up on my my fucking stupid Scotty joke there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is Billy and Darcy you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Did did Darcy? Did, I'm trying to put my my myself in the position of Darcy. Did she ever think of quitting? That ever come I, you up? You know,
1: I, I I wouldn't have been surprised, but and and I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people would would not have have been involved in, in, in or that uninvolved and stayed.
0: That's um, what I'm getting. But at. the same
1: thing with James because as soon as the record was done, they were out on the road and they were killing it, mm-hmm. you know, date wise and stuff. And and then the record just started blowing up. So so at that point, I can see. Oh, I think I'll hang in. But prior to that, yeah, it does make you wonder um, what her headspace would have been. And, and James too. To uh, and James is a sweetheart of a guy. He was such a nice guy, really cool. He actually bought the Mellotron that the studio owned because mm. he liked it so much. Um, I don't know if he still has it, but anyway, he, he was a, just a super, super nice guy, and Darcy was too, you know, uh, but again, they had they had their issues they were having to struggle with. So.
0: Yeah, no, and look, people are human, you know, and I'm not trying, that's why I don't want to, to me, I've done a lot of jackass stuff that if people brought up, I'd, I'd be more than happy to to laugh at, but, so that's oh, yeah. kind of the way I'm looking at it, you know. Um. Yeah,
1: yeah and and uh, you know and i I'd, I'd said just because of his preparedness and him knowing exactly how he wanted the record to be if billy could have played drums like jimmy he would have played drums on the on the record too <laughs> but he couldn't because jimmy's an
0: amazing drummer He's that 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 close to being prince i just need to be able to play yeah. drums you know what? I actually wanted to mention that. I think there, Billy seems to be someone who really understands music, if that makes sense. Like, he just, he gets, like, the guitar for him is almost like this is a tool I need to use. Um, but he's actually, yes. he's a phenomenal guitar player, don't you think? Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of that lead break stuff, some of that solo and chair just, I mean, it's smoking yeah. good. And uh, in in most of that stuff, we may have comped some, but for the most part, he's just a solid player, period. His bass playing, I mean, that's him all of the record, his bass playing's solid. He's a super talented guy. Um, The Mellotron stuff, he played on some stuff, on anything that has Mellotron. We had uh, on the song, I guess it's Luna, yeah, that that Mike Mills, the bass player from R.E.M., uh, I don't know how they knew each other, he came and played on that, so that was nice. He was a, a, a super good guy to hang out with. I liked him. He walked in with with, uh, with a six-pack, well, a five-pack, because he'd already down one, yeah. <laughs> asking him if I wanted a beer. That's mm. how he showed up at the session.
0: Mm. My kind of guy. Apparently, Scotty's yeah. aren't the only ones who like beer. Um, uh, <laughs> again, my dumb beer joke. But, but, but uh, The first time I saw the Pumpkins live was performing Cherub Rock on Saturday Night Live And it was Billy's guitar playing that stuck out. And I'd already heard, uh, I I was already a fan of Gish. And I'm not sure if I had uh, Siamese Dream yet or not, or or if it was even out. But I was like, holy fuck. Because, you know, there's this kind of like shift with uh, the grunge stuff away from kind of that guitar hero stuff. But Billy had a way of pulling it off that with also fitting it in that niche well yeah we, that we i remember him commenting on that
1: that that what you just said about it kind of not being in vogue, but he didn't care he could he knew what he needed to do and he knew what what made the rounded the songs out and it's like you know again that part of that song is about you know not following and 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 or people that do and and you know the whole shoegazer crowd and all that stuff yeah. so um again just he's a he's a just a super talented uh, guitar player and had you know uh we really 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 worked hard on on getting guitars really fat and big like that, and and I remember him telling me at one point that when they were mixing it, they went in the first day after Alan Mulder had spent most of the day working on it. Billy says, what would you do to the guitars? Take all that EQ off. I like the way they sounded when we cut them. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, with tape, I mean, here's the thing about it. Tape is… Tape loses the high end, like the first time you run a pass past it uh, over the head. So um, you used to, we used to compensate. So the more it sits, the more it's going to start degrading. It just does. That's the nature of the beast. So after four months or five months, however long to make that record, that you wow. know some of that stuff sat on tape for a while. So I can add, imagine Alan Mulder saying, "I got to brighten these up a little bit."
0: Uh-huh. Uh, is there any chance that maybe uh, Billy has some uh, low-end deficiency in his in his hearing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, because for him to yeah, – he would be sitting on – he did bass pretty much sitting on, on some cabinet in the control room wow. and, and would just sit kind of so you know, cross-legged. Right and up his ass?
0: And just like, more, yeah. More,
1: more, well, no, it wasn't on. It, it was mic'd outside. Oh, but, okay. okay. But <laughs> that was just what he used as a chair. And I remember him sitting kind of cross-legged, and then he just kept saying, more weight. I want more weight.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, he's probably just knew what he wanted. I'm making a dumb joke, but, uh, um, well, what about you? It look, when was the last time you listened to the record?
1: Oh, it's probably been a couple years ago. Unless somebody, unless somebody brings it up and I, and, I mean, it's not something I just think about and grab, but whenever I listen to it, I, I, I wind up listening to most of the record, even if I scroll through stuff, because it's, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty amazing record. I'm, I'm very proud of it.
0: it you know, music has that way of kind of like when you hear it, it takes you back to certain moments and memories of when you connected with it. Does this actually, I mean, you were fortunate enough to work on it, you know, while, while it was being made. Does it take you back to that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. It take, yeah, it takes you back to, to even certain days doing whatever song, yeah. you know, some of the notable, notable songs you're thinking about. the The last night when we had finished – we had kind of had a playback party for some people, friends that they had made there. And, and then we were going to have a, a party party and it would last the whole night. Uh, at one point, butch is playing drums and, um, a friend of mine's playing guitar and I think Billy's playing bass and they're just jamming in a little jam room. And so, uh, yeah, I, re- I remember that party well. Cause the next day, butch says, I got to fly home. He's so hungover.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, Jeff, this is uh, you know again. Uh, so happy to have you back on. Uh, great stories. Uh, did do we skip over anything? Is there any uh, song tracks you want to get into, or anything in particular that you would like to kind of highlight?
1: Well, no. I mean, I, I think that, uh, um, like I said, Rocket's my favorite, and, yeah. and that we had a bunch of interesting pedals. And, and there's there's this kind of vibrato thing on there, and it was called the Vox Repeater, mm-hmm. and it it was just i I'd never heard that that uh, that before and, and it was kind of a one-of-a-kind billy probably bought a 100 pedals in during that i don't know we used wow. even half of them but they were all out in the room there were a ton of them. mostly the big muff and some different different kind of phases the the micro synth was a big pedal that was used a lot on that record to make them that's why some of those guitars sound like keyboards
0: wow uh, i Which, love that outro uh, i shall be afraid
1: oh yeah yeah I mean, just, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's such a great dynamic record. It really does take you on a journey, I think.
0: Just yeah, the it's an, when it it's an album from, it's, it's it's sequenced beautifully, too. Was that Butch or Billy? Uh,
1: that I don't know. I, I would I would tend to say it was a combination of both of okay. them, uh, but probably pretty, pretty, I, I'm sure Billy had a pretty good idea how he wanted things mm-hmm. to, to lay out. Um, I've never been good at sequencing records. I just they put the good stuff up front. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned that song, "Sweet Sweet." It's kind of actually a bit of a throwaway tune, but when you yeah. listen to it in in the in the process of this album, it's perfect where it is, and it needs to be there.
1: Yeah, it ser- it definitely serves a great purpose. The uh, uh, what's the song that's that's really long and dynamic? Is it Silverfuck or, um,
0: oh, um, uh, or? Yeah, it's
1: Silverfuck Silverfuck. Silver yeah, yep. And, and so the I mean those are. That's some amazing up and down dynamics that Jimmy's playing in there that just uh, it's just oh, uh, just yeah. top-notch playing, just we, top-notch.
0: We probably didn't give enough praise to the playing that uh, of his drums in this record.
1: And it showcases him but it, it never gets in the way. I mean, he just he has a great instinct
0: yes, for, yeah.
1: for playing for the song. That's and, always the challenge, playing for the song, not for the ego.
0: And did you know that Courtney Courtney Love says every song other than Space Boy is about her? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I knew they had had a relationship. Yeah. Prior, so. <laughs> well, I, I, all I can say is I, space boy was written about Billy's, uh, uh, is it his
0: brother? It's his brother. Uh, that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, everything's written about, right. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you Good. ever meet her? You keep
1: thinking that fatter on the head. You keep thinking that. Yeah.
0: Did you ever meet Courtney?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy. Cause they did the, uh, they did the whole record live through this at that same studio. I didn't do it, but oh. but I, I, I was around a little bit during that and got to meet Kurt, which was kind of cool. But uh, okay. yeah, that's a <laughs> that was another movie for those poor guys that did that record. The uh. poor, the two it was a duo that did it, and I remember she said one day she said, "I just want you guys to know you weren't my first choice for producers,
0: and a matter of oh, fact, you weren't man. even my
1: second choice." <laughs> Dear Lord,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: ah, uh, yeah, she's. So, uh... She's a lovely lady. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. Jeff. Uh, honestly, I really enjoy our conversations. Uh, um, at some point, maybe we'll talk "Corrosion of Conformity" because those two records are freaking staples on this show. I don't know. Oh, I,
1: good. Yeah, that was a fun. That was a. That's got some fun story. So.
0: Yeah, Pepper Keenan is is uh, kind of a hero for both of us.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I love Pepper, and you know, and again, that was my second hardest hitting drummer was Reed Mullen, Man, yeah, yeah, well, oh, i am sorry to hear he passed uh what yeah. a year or so ago too, yeah years? So anyway, amazing player,
0: and you made a great point it's It's not just about hitting hard, it's about being able to do it and be right on time too, so uh, I don't know for what it's worth i mean, for for um, music nerds, I think they're gonna get a lot out of what we talked about today, oh, good, good. Glad to help. All right. Uh, thanks for your time, Jeff. You have a good evening. All right. You too, Jeff. Bye. Bye.
1: jason
0: hey what's up jeff
1: you're always prompt right on the hour (laughs) do you need a
0: minute i can call back (laughs) no 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 Uh, no
1: not at all how you been not too bad you been good been good staying busy trying to
0: that's good uh the uh the uh, eddie van halen nudes fucking crushing me a little bit
1: yeah that that one hurt
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's
1: uh that's a big deal. I, to be honest with you, I didn't know. I, I figured he was going to go earlier in the year when all it was going on. Um, I, I kind of told my wife, I said, he'll probably be the first one that goes, but he hmm. wasn't. But anyway, just sad.
0: Yeah. It, uh, whatever. Uh, did you ever, uh, you ever to get, get a chance to run, run across his path or work with him or anything like that?
1: No. Uh, uh-uh. um, uh, my partner in the studio, Jesse Dupree, had, uh, had been the 5150, and, and, and uh, knew those guys from the periphery but never I don't think they ever played with him or anything either. So um I would have loved to have met him. Yeah me too. What a talent. <laughs> what a talent. Yeah, no, yeah
0: well I mean he made it clear I was never gonna be as good as him pretty early on, but uh you know, I I I, I still found a way to be inspired by his his music, so
1: and that's enough. That's what so many people have said. So I can't play like him but I sure was inspired.
0: <laughs> <laughs>